Welcome back to another episode of the Hoops Temple Podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me as a new regular, Aaron Schroeder. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back as always. I look forward to it every week. Always fun. I love talking to hoops with you, man. It's it's so good. I look forward to it. It's I like I have so much pent up basketball discussion and I have a great time. So you want to tell the people what we talked about? We're going to be talking about the finals, what we thought about Game 5, what we think about the series going forward. And in the second half, we're doing our draft lottery, our mock draft. It's a lot of fun. Let's see who the Kings pick. That's my, it's my team, man. That's good stuff. Get ready for some Kofi Cockburn content. <laughs> we're going to make a next pod is uh, only Walker Kessler content. Hell yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Deep cuts. It's a quality finals. This is a great matchup for the most part. I, I think I think we're lucky. We're lucky to see such a good a good contest. Maybe I'm just I was so sick of the Warriors and Golden State by the end of that, especially by 2018. We're like, all right, let's get this over with. Like, let's see what's happening. This is great. This is something where after each game, you're like, are they gonna win? Are the Celtics gonna win? What about the Warriors this time? And the back and forth has been really nice. Do you ever hold yourself accountable for the actions that take place? In the finals, do I hold myself account personally accountable? Yes, I don't think I don't think so. Do you? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. How, <laughs> how come? Maybe maybe I do. I have a theory, but go ahead. I haven't put money on all of these games, but every like verbal bet I've made of like, oh yeah, I bet you the Warriors are gonna win, or oh yeah, the Celtics are gonna win this game has been wrong. Ah. And so leading into Game Four, I picked the Celtics. <laughs> leading into game five i picked the celtics again and i am perfectly go. happy acknowledging that being wrong but getting the outcome right it's gonna work out it's it's fine cosmically it's fine yeah I, i'm i'm more of a, a butterfly effect person if i walk in the room at the same time there's a big shot that's made i'm like ah, i probably did that like if i just stayed in my room that wouldn't have happened Maybe it's that's a big multiverse thing, but I'm like, oh man, I totally should have stayed in my room. Like that wouldn't he wouldn't have made that if I didn't come out here. I went to bed at the end of the third quarter of game one because I was like, ah, all right, Warriors put this away, and then boom, they didn't put this away. No, they had not, not at all. They hadn't put it away, and um, and it was, it got to a close game again. You went to bed, you texted me, you're like, I'm heading out. It's late, and then the Celtics totally came back out. The Warriors pulled away again. Oh, I, I didn't go to bed. I thought about it. No, no, no. I thought about it, and uh, then I watched the first two minutes of the, the third quarter, and I was like, all right, well, guess I'm staying up till midnight. Yeah, it was a good game. It's the Andrew Wiggins game, dude. It's Maple Jordan time. It's the, finally, his potential is fulfilled as something that, like, even the, the highest of, or most, most interesting of draft analysis wouldn't have given you high-energy rebounder that plays good defense. When he was when he was taken, he was supposed to be this this insanely gifted scorer, which he can be, which he can be. But that's just that when he's at his best, that's not what he's been. And I think that's awesome. I don't think that at the time he was drafted, anyone pictured a league where he would be arguably one of the biggest guys on the court. Another good point. Yeah. Like I went back and I re-listened to our draft of of most impactful players in the series. And oh, I'm just yeah. going to say I smoked you in this draft. Oh, I bet. I think you did. I think you totally <laughs> did. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I think I let you have Curry up front. 
Oh yeah, I never. No, you didn't. You didn't smoke me. I have curry. That's that's easily the most impactful by a good margin. I'm totally winning. I went back. I wrote this down. Okay. I'm checking. I'm checking. Just to make. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You got you got curry first, which Great which pick. is the obvious obvious first no, choice. No, no, it was a good pick. It was a tough pick, and it, it took a lot of mental fortitude, and it was the right one to make. So then I picked Tatum. Yeah. And you got Jalen Brown. Yeah, not a bad then, pick. Then I get Wiggins. Ah oh, man, yeah. You take Draymond. Okay. Look, looking not not so great there. I get Horford, whom game one. I mean game one. Horford. I'll take it. You go Smart. I go Looney. You go Pool. I go Clay. Just saying, Clay with the number ten pick. That's not bad. That's not bad. I think I like. I think I still like my Jalen Brown selection, and not maybe not over Wiggins at this point, but I thought he was really good in the Celtics in the Celtics wins. And Draymond was really good last game. The numbers don't pop out of you, but if Draymond can shoot like three for six or whatever he did and just be impactful defensively, I think he was a positive. Honestly, if Draymond can just make people play honest, that opening play, I mean, not opening play, was what, three, four possessions in where he fakes the handoff and drives down the lane and dunks it? Yeah. I mean, that's all you need. You just need him to make you make teams play you honest. And it worked. Also, I mean, what do you think about the Celtic strategy of Game 5 of really selling out and going for Curry hard? You know, something they hadn't done for most of the rest of the series. I th- I thought it was great. I think that's what you do to beat Golden State, in a sense, is you tack that main guy. And it worked. In 99% of the time, the Celtics win that game. When Cur- if, you showed, if I showed you Curry's stat line today and, and I said, bet your life savings on who wins this game, you would take the Celtics every single time. I thought Wiggins was incredible. That's kind of the difference. And are we hopping on the Andrew Wiggins for finals MVP? Can we get another <laughs> defensive small forward to take it from Steph? I think the biggest thing that we haven't really talked about is Jason Tatum's been really bad. Yeah. Every single point that the Celtics get is just arduous. It looks painful. Every single time you're like, man, they're really working for that. And when I had my grandma in town, we did our finals predictions. She said, and I didn't even prompt her on this. She said, the Warriors have more explosive players. And I'm like, I don't really know what that means. But like, sure, grandma. And she's been right in a sense where with Poole and Clay and Steph and Wiggins, the buckets have come a little bit easier. And it feels like Boston is just dragging its feet offensively, especially Tatum. Tatum's shooting... 37 percent from the field but he's 19 of 40 from deep what does that tell you about his two-point percentage it's closer to 32 percent if i remember correctly that's really bad yeah the the refs are letting a lot go on the lane they're allowing verticality you enter the paint you get hit it happens um and i'm kind of okay with that i didn't feel like either side was too adversely affected i agree i agree with that i felt like once you got to the basket hey Good luck, basically. And I, I like that. I really, I prefer, you know, driving through contact. Like, can you get that done? I will also say, I texted you at this point in the game. Was it end of the second quarter where Curry is, drives, gets hit. They don't call the foul. The ball is super clearly off of Curry. And they're just like, it's Warriors ball. Yeah. I, I love that call. I love saying, all right, we don't want to do a foul. That's not quite here, but we're going to give you the ball back. But he, it was off of him though. I don't get. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I understand, like, but it's, it's, is it off of him or not? Well, you can make the call that it's a foul. Like, I mean, if those are your two options, you're gonna play things straight by the rules. You're gonna call this foul, or you're gonna call it Celtics ball. Like, I don't want to reward someone for like 
half fouling a guy. And I don't want to penalize a guy for getting hacked. I just let the play flow. Give give them ball back. Like I, I think we need some more of those calls of like, hey, it's not who touched the ball last. It's it's kind of who caused it to happen. Like when you get down to those those micro replays, and like did his fingernail touch it last yeah. and someone else came like clearly from the other side of the court and like slaps the guy into it and it's like yeah i remember that from clippers utah yeah last year i think patrick beverly no i think it was clippers Suns in the western conference finals beverly smacks out of booker's hand they replay it hits his hand and and i was like that's stupid that's that's just not what the replay is for yeah i'm in favor of never replaying anything ever again and you just you have one ref not even three refs or two refs, just one guy, and he's like, ah, foul, and then they just keep playing the game. Just, Let's just speed it up. Just going straight up back to, like, YMCA just, rec league rules. You got one guy. In, in the early days of basketball, closer to, like, the 70s or the 80s, the calls, there's no replays. The calls are bad, but they just go for it. They just, they're so confidently like, yep, that was a foul, and you're like, ah, and they just keep playing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the joy of being on a non-TV game. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever... That's true. I mean, you go to Sacramento games. I go to Pistons games. You ever see them replay a call? Only if it's a coach's challenge, but basically, no. Yeah. I mean, if the, yeah, if the game's not televised, yeah, no one's watching the replays. I mean, and to be fair, people do watch Pistons games. Some of my poor friends watch 50, 60 Pistons games a year, and... Oh, man. Yeah. That's... Yeah, would you... Uh, the thing with the Pistons, because I watch Kings games, and it's like so bad it's funny sometimes the pistons have had a tough stretch although that stretch of 2004 to like 2008 is really underrated people don't talk about that enough but i want to say i was bashing on tatum i feel like jalen brown jalen brown played really poorly last game uh, i think he was 0 for 5 from deep 5 for 18 he attacked a ton and just really didn't come up with much tatum played statistically was fairly good last game but in this series overall has been struggling offensively it's one of those things where of course the Celtics are going to run their offense through Tatum but doesn't mean he has to iso all the time sometimes it's you want a number one option but that doesn't mean he should have a 35 percent usage rate you know what I mean can I offer up a reverse jinx hopeful theory go ahead what if they're saving Tatum what if saving Tatum for what an elaborate ploy for him to have back-to-back 40-point games to game six and game seven. What if this whole thing has just been a decoy and diversion? <laughs> well, he's played a, he's played the most minutes in the entire series out of anybody, so I feel like they should... Probably not, although I love the idea of, of strategy behind the strategy. It's like... It's like uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go there. I was going to make a Dune reference, but that's just preposterous. <laughs> You know, okay, you know how in like, you know, you've seen the Dune movie, read the Dune book and whatnot. I actually have read 20% of the Dune book, which I'm giving myself credit for because that's still like 200 pages. That's a lot of the Dune book. In Dune, it's like, it's like theories behind theories and like motivations behind motivations. And like, this guy is traded. There's a traitor, but that guy thinks he is, but this guy doesn't. And Mm -hmm. I like that it's like the Dune system of basketball. It's like Tatum knows that. That they think he's toast, but he's really not toast. He's ready to go. He's playing um, a lot of minutes. How many minutes is that? 40 minutes a game? I texted a friend of mine and I said, I don't understand what basketball is anymore. I thought I knew what made good basketball teams, but then I watched Steph, uh, Gary Payton, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, and Otto Porter 
crushed the Celtics. I watched that happen, and I'm like, I don't get it anymore. Like, I don't understand. I thought I thought it was like spacing and shooting and and other stuff that I thought I understood, and that group didn't have it. But it didn't seem to matter. It, it seems like the Warriors just have this way where they could just put anybody out there, and they all hustle and play hard and make winning plays and cut to the basket and make good passes. And you're like, man, it made me jealous because it feels like when players come to Sacramento, they forget how to do all of that. And we could even have, I'm trying to convince myself that a group of De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis, and like Bradley Beal could even make the playoffs. Meanwhile, Gary Payton and Draymond Green are playing at the same time in the finals and they're winning a game. What's what's going on here? I mean, I absolutely love the story of Gary Payton almost washing out of the league, applying for a job as a video coordinator that, that's been like all over the news recently. Because it really does show you when you have a good culture and good team fit. And I know that we're going to talk about the draft in the back half of this, but when you develop people in a way you can get the most out of pe- out of someone. And like, there's always that debate in draft talk. Do you draft for fit or you draft for best position available? And I think you draft for the best talent available that fits within your team that you're going to grow and nurture. I think maybe a cultural fit is more important than a stylistic oh, fit sure. in draft. I think you can really, you can make that argument. That's why Shaden Sharp's falling to like 15. Because <laughs> no one knows what culture he is. No one knows what he is. No one. Uh, he just. He seems like. It, it, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. He's such an unknown. Is that not the perfect culture for uh, the Pelicans? Is that not their team culture? The the. <laughs> a guy who disappears for a year. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for the Pelicans because me and my brother are pretty hard on the Pelicans should move to Seattle. And I feel bad because I get pissed off and people are like, oh, the Kings should go to Seattle. And I'm like, screw you guys. Um, I'm off that now. They keep the team in there. I like what they've done. They have good fans. Uh, but there, there should be a team in Seattle. I mean, it's going to come right alongside the LeBron expansion team. <laughs> that's, that's just, that's so preposterous. I don't, I'm not really sure what to make of that yet. The, the GOAT podcast, uh, Greatest of all talk, Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver said that as a joke like two months ago, and they tried to make like a banana boat slash Sierra Canyon, you know, Bronny James, uh, his his ex high school teammates, like combo fusion team, and I, I think it would be hilarious because that's actually a realistic possibility that LeBron gets a team right after right after retiring and drafts his son, and just gets all of his buddies. I cannot wait for expansion. Let's get to that in a second. Where are you thinking heading into game six? We're going to Boston. And no jinxing witchcraft. What do you actually think? <laughs> um, I, I really want to say that the Warriors have figured this out and that they're going to win. Um, I think we're going to see something closer to game four uh, where it's a lot more curry heavy. I, I think Boston tried to play its last card, which is, all right, we've tried stopping everyone else and trying to make curry beat us. Curry can beat us. We need to go, you know, so, so they switched that up. They tried it. They switched it up. They tried to take away Curry and they found that that was much worse. So you have to go back to the original strategy of can we do enough? Can we get enough around the other guys? Um, I do expect good games from some of Boston's role players. I, I really wish I had Googled what the effect was called, um, but there's a psychological effect that uh, it increases heart rate and triggers the fight or flight response um, when you're in these pressure scenarios. 
Uh, and I was reading a MIT Sloan Sports study on it and how it affects basketball players. And what they found... Parasympathetic nervous system? Maybe? Yeah, parasympathetic. It kicks in your fight or flight. There, there was some, some no, other... No, wait. No, that's not true. No? No, sympath- sympathetic nervous system. Sugar's fight or flight. Parasympathetic is like uh, rest and digest. Shout out Dr. Roseberry from Sacramento State. Oh, really? Sacramento guy. So, so anyways, the point of the study um, looked at free throw shooting and rebounding and basically found that um, doing a small motor function, it, 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 they were taking concepts applied from other sports studies, uh, other kinesiology studies, and small motor functions, precise movements get a lot harder at home. And that's why you see home teams miss clutch free throws. Those more often than road teams. Uh, It was actually, it was a really interesting study, like in the clutch, in these close scenarios, teams underperform expectation at home, overperform it on the road, kind of opposite to what you'd expect. But rebounding, the like motivation to go get rebounds and do the hustle plays is amplified at home and it's hurt on the road. We've got everyone Mm -hmm. cheering for you. You've got that extra gusto. That gusto makes you tense in the tight moments of free throws but you'll win the rebounding edge. You'll get the Lulu balls. And I think when we get back to Boston, I think we're going to see that affect Robert Williams, have him go back to a more of a springy game three, like Robert Williams. Um, I, I think we'll see all of the role players in Boston bounce back up and do the hustle and the dirty things and the uh, defensive things better. Um, which, which of course also this will work in Golden State's favor because their precision shooters will improve. So, I think it'll be close. I do think Boston sends us back to Golden State for game seven, and then Golden State takes it in seven. I agree. I agree for the most part. That's actually really interesting, but I agree on the game seven prediction. Really quickly about Robert Williams. I thought he was great. I think he's so impactful. It's not someone that you can play 40 minutes necessarily, but in the spurts that he's out there, he is he is so, so good at both rebounding and defensive. defensively. You texted me about a play where Draymond passed up kind of an open dunk. And you mm-hmm. said, did, did Draymond just pull up Ben Simmons? And I'm like, I don't think so. And I think he probably should have shot that. But looking back at it, he gets that dump off pass from Bielitsa, I believe. And I think if Draymond shoots that, Robert Williams probably catches it. I think that's where he's at. Robert Williams, is he's so springy. I, I, when he's on defensively, he changes every shot in the paint. When he's off, he tends to foul a bit too much. I don't think he could have turned around and elevated that quickly, but I get, I get what you're saying. And I get the feeling behind it. When we were drafting players, I, I specifically chose Looney, but thought about Williams. And I basically said, Hey, if Robert Williams is healthy, this, this probably goes the other way because Robert Williams is the better center. He has the, the versatility. He to switch out on guards. He's got the rim protection. He can do so much more than what Looney can do when they're both healthy, but w- with him kind of limited and hobbled, I-, I think the loony advantage has been huge for Golden State. And that's part of what's made this series so great is that I'm sitting here 100% confident that if the fifth starter, the you know a role player it, it, by most regards was healthy, the series flips. It's a great series in that regard. For role players, Boston's bench made two shots last game. That... Just, just just resonate in that number just for a second. 
Alright, we've resonated in it. That's two shots. That's, that's two shots. Grant Williams made a shot, and Luke Cornett made a shot. Do you remember the third shot that they one made? Minute. The third shot. I don't. It got waved off. Which one Which one was it? Peyton Pritchard catches the ball well, in the second out of quarter. Bounds. Yep. He fires from out of bounds, which I am sure corner threes are out of bounds more often than we will ever know. These guys have huge feet, and there's not much space. Like, that ref is watching for that call, and there's a reason why the Celtics were 3-12 and against that ref. The Celtics were building momentum. The Warriors' offense grinded to a halt in the second quarter with Curry on the bench, and you had a couple of threes go in for Boston. If that one goes in, it's a momentum shifter. Absolutely. Derek White shot 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 3 in 21 minutes. Peyton Pritchard checked in for 5 minutes. That he was supposed to be the craze stopper. We talked about that in the last pod. Maybe it worked. Maybe it did work in the last game. Uh, but he only played 5 minutes and 0 for 3 from deep. Just not, just not super impactful. And it goes back to the arduous offense that I was talking about, where just every bucket seems so, so difficult. And there's usually teams have those spark plugs off the bench like Golden State does with um, with guys like Jordan Poole or Gary Payton or Bielitsa, someone you're like, hey, those guys are out there. Like, well, how did that happen? Because Payton and Poole get 29 points last game. 29 off the bench. That is a considerable amount. Yeah. Another one of those small moments, and this one was a much louder small moment, but Poole hitting that running half-court shot to take the lead at the end of the third, like, I I don't know what the percentages are on that shot. 18%? 20%? More than that. 10 Like, these are the margins that if you don't catch the foot on the line for, for Peyton's, or for Pritchard's three, if Poole misses that, that's a six-point swing in this incredibly close game. Ime Udoka had said going into this that in a different world, the Celtics should have been up 3-1 or something like that at, at worst. And I'm sure, yeah, a couple different breaks. I, I'm absolutely loving how close this is. It's It's been a really fun series. And to get back to one thing that you'd said earlier, this is the value of having the top-end talent. This is what Daryl Morey is 100% right on. You can critique anything else he says. You cannot overpay for the most elite talent because you get those guys and the other guys just come along with them. Bielitsa never looks this good surrounded with other talent. Poole was a G League guy last year. Peyton is almost out of the league. And you put these guys... Otto Porter. How We've seen Otto Porter for years. Yeah. Honestly, max contract. He got a didn't he get a max deal or just, they were thinking about it a few years back. I know he got a big deal. I don't quite know if it was a max, but like twenty twenty third. He was drafted in twenty thirteen. He's been around forever and just never really materialized. And and maybe in a sense, when expectations are lowered, then you can overachieve. Because if you, this is Otto Porter coming out of the draft, but I totally agree. I think um you could you could just it feels like you can put anyone next to Curry. You really can with the way he plays. If they play fairly good defense and they can make layups, Curry will make it happen. Um, and that's why the Warriors have been so good. Well, do you have any other finals takes? By the time I get this edited and up, it'll be middle of Wednesday. So we'll have game six Thursday night. Would you be totally shocked if Golden State takes it? It feels like when I close my eyes, and I do this when I predict my sports, is the way you do it. You close your eyes and you just visualize. You're like, what What makes sense? Like, when I, when I see it, what makes sense? 
it feels like it's going to be an anticlimactic Boston loss, and it's just going to be over. After all of this, it's just going to be like, eh, didn't really show up game six, and I'll take it in Boston. I did, I, I did, I did say Warriors in six in my initial TikTok prediction. So you're saying I was wrong with my Warriors in five? Oh, totally wrong. Way off the mark. <laughs> Couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess our buddy uh, Basketball for Brains, who said uh, Warriors in four, that's a little bit more wrong. He did say Warriors in four, and I loved it for that. I, I felt like that was so... That was awesome. I I couldn't even if I was one hundred percent sure about something. I'm never gonna. I've never make that video. And I I post basketball takes like six times a day, and I still would have <laughs> never been like Warriors in four. I thought that was an incredible call from him. And even I think if the Warriors win, whether it's in in six or seven, or even if it was in four, good shit, man. Respect yeah. for that. That was a hell of a hell of a video. You gotta have the takesmen out there. Especially after Boston took game one and he had to go on like an apology tour. Don't apologize. Double down. Double down. Can't really double down. It's immediately when it's immediately wrong. No, but no, I you love, double down. You double down? <laughs> you double down. Listen, I said Warriors in four. I didn't say it would be the first four. Uh, yeah, the games second two through four. five. Yeah. There you go. See, I yeah. didn't it didn't even I didn't even go there. Uh, you you haven't had lawyers in the family. You know, trying to figure out ways to twist words. <laughs> well, after the finals, really quickly after the finals on the 23rd is the draft. I'm going to be in Sacramento. I'm going to go to Golden 1 and watch it there. Pretty excited about that. It happens so quickly. It took right after the finals. Wait, are they doing it? Like live? In no, Golden they're not 1? doing it. But they show they show it on the big screen. You can go there for free. Just watch it with everybody. Oh, that's, that's kind of what I meant. I know that it happens in New York. Uh, but yeah. like, that's, that's super cool that you can... Yeah. Just, go as Kings fans. Yeah, the, well, it's one of the great luxuries of being a Kings fan. I know it's it's one of many things, but um, yeah, me and my brother are going to go. I think it's like 3.30 and you can get a bunch of food and draft starts at 5 and you just hang out. I love it. Yeah, Sounds like cool a great stuff. time. I'm going to check and see if the Pistons have anything going on. Yeah. I want to do a mock draft of the lottery. I think this is such a interesting lottery. I can't decide if I want the first pick because I have strong opinions on it, or I want the second pick because I also want to pick for the Kings at four. Would you like the honor of picking for my Kings, or would you like the first pick? Oh, man, that, that really feels wrong. It feels wrong, but maybe you can get some, some new perspective because I'll have a lot to say either way. Yeah, but a Lakers fan picking for the Kings just, you know what? In honor of Shaq being Velade's boss... Thus, for uh, for however long that worked, <laughs> I will do this. I will take this honor. You may have the first pick. I will pick for the Kings. All right, let me set my thing up. When I and I did my when you close your eyes, what do you see? Strategy, which is foolproof because there's nothing that goes into it. I can't imagine the Magic passing on Chet Holmgren. I know Jabari Smith's been a he's been a really popular pick. People even say Bancaro, but Jabari's kind of been like that's who they're going with. I would be absolutely shocked if Chet Holmgren isn't in Orlando come the end of June. That's going to be my pick. I think he is, offensively, he's shooting like 80% around the rim. Defensively, he he dominates the interior. He's so dynamic. Even if he gets out of position, his arms are so long that he's still contesting shots. The only thing is, if you don't think his frame will hold up and you have injury issues, maybe the medicals aren't good, then I understand. But on a prospect-only basis, he is so unbelievably good. He's just, he's going to shoot 
8% from deep. He's going to defend the rim. He can be in the dunker spot. He can finish at the basket. I think he's incredible. I don't know if there's a mid-range for Chet. And, yeah. and that scares me. Like, there is no just, oh, he was in the league for 10 years and it was pretty good. Either he's phenomenal or here he's out in two. Yeah. Like, we always call Kwame Brown a bust. And really, Kwame Brown is just like a great 10th pick. Like, if you get Kwame's career at, at like 10 through 15, man, you are, you are happy. You won that pick. That is, you know, get the GM, an ex- I mean, probably not an extension because that's, it's it's a nice feather in your cap. It's a good thing. Um, and I just, I don't know if I see it with Chet, with Chet. But for Jabari, and that's where I'm going at number two, I don't know if I quite see the highest end upside with him. I do really like his shooting and his scoring in ability. I mean, what he shot, 43% in from deep. Yeah, 42 on five and a half attempts per game. And a little bit of Reggie Lewis, or not Reggie Lewis, Rashard Lewis. I think he can be a good defender. Um, I, I'd be interested in seeing how much three he could play uh, and how much five, like how much versatility is he, does he have? And, and I think in in Oklahoma, let's, let's just try it. Let's roll it out. Let's see where this goes. I really hope that that's where they go with this as opposed to Paolo. Um, yeah, that's, I, I like, I like Jabari's instincts. He seems to have a good offensive IQ. I see that too. I think the floor is super high super high on on Jabari Smith. He's going to be a great shooter. He's going to play good defense. Can he be a superstar? I wouldn't bet on it. The offensive ability is there. His his own shot creation is fairly lacking. It's something he's going to have to really develop. But if you think he can, sky's the limit, really. So are you uh, going with chalk for uh, the third pick? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the, as interesting as the top three are, the chance that one of them falls or someone else rises is very close to zero. I think it's going to be Bancaro. Especially if Jaden Ivey was more of a true point guard, I think you could you could picture that with Jalen Green. I feel like with... The Rockets have essentially nobody on the team except for Jalen Green and maybe Shen Goon, depending how much they like him. I think Bancaro fits what they're doing. He fits their timeline. Super talented. Yeah, I think he has an NBA body. He can get his own shot. I know you said you didn't love him defensively. I think he's solid. He's not just watching, but he's in the right spots. I think he'll be there at three. I will say I watched a couple of his games from different points in the season, and you do see defensive progression from some of the early games to some of the later games. Early games, he was getting taken off the dribble a lot. Later games, he might not be stopping the guys, but he's sliding his feet better. He's sticking with them better. The one thing that really scares me from Paolo is I forget which game it was I was watching, but he got a steal and he's got a fair amount of uh, leadway on it and he misses a wide open fast break dunk because he didn't get high enough. And I just, that scares me. I don't know if it was a lack of timing, if it was uh, an athleticism issue. He's not a phenomenal athlete. He's a good athlete. He's not crazy, but at his size... I think it's I think it's gonna be okay. Yeah, I'm I'm glad he's off the board at three. I think I think your Kings are gonna be better off without Paolo. And, and that might sound okay. really dumb in five years, but it totally I think could. The ceiling is high. The floor is fairly low um, on on bank here. I think in terms of floor and ceiling, Jabari Smith has a higher floor, fairly lower ceiling. So, I mean, sticking with chalk here for your Kings, don't I'm mess going, this up. 
No, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with a really obvious consensus pick here, Jaden Ivey. And okay. sure, he's crazy athletic, you know, can end a guy's career with a dunk at some point in his NBA career, over 40% from three, great speed. But the thing that I really love about him and watching him was that he would set screens for teammates. He's working off ball, directing guys where to go in the flow of the offense and the defense. And when one of his teammates did something successful, he clapped and cheered for them in like a more expressive way than you would normally see at that point in time in the game. Like he is a cheerleader for his teammates. He's working off ball and he's going to try to do some stuff on defense. So I think those are the right intangibles, especially when you're trying to build something for the future, trying to establish a different culture and identity. I love it. I love it. I think being to what I said earlier, drafting for a cultural fit may be even more important than drafting for a positional fit. And I think that's what you have here in Ivy. The things you said are fantastic. That's the kind of guy we need. That's what scares me about Shaden Sharp. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares very much, but I know Ivy is going to be really invested. And the talent is clearly there. And maybe our spacing isn't going to be very good, but who cares, man? Like, let's just, let's take the best player and go with it. I've been convincing myself a little bit, just a little bit, that Keegan Murray is an awesome pick. I wouldn't be upset with that if we go with Murray at four. It's a little strange because I feel like we probably could have gotten him at closer to seven and the moving the moving up didn't do much but i think for what we're trying to do the fit's really good and he's a great player maybe the ceiling isn't super high i'd be happy with either of them well if the pistons pass on him again i'm gonna be pretty upset oh no not that i think he's the greatest fit for the pistons but they had tyrese halliburton like right in their draftable range and this is a Midwest kid. He went to Iowa State. Now they've got an Iowa guy that's like the best prospect on the board. And if they miss on two Midwestern guys, like in relatively close drafts, it's just it's going to make me a little sad. That's right. I get to draft. We didn't even talk about that. You draft for my king as I'm drafting for your Pistons. This is fantastic. We're picking each other's future of I know. attending games and what we get to watch. Tell me, what what am I getting to watch? Man, that that's tough. That's tough. I love that. My future is in your hands. If your future is Dyson Daniels, are you mad at me? Yes. <laughs> Furious. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think Cade Cunningham can play more of an off-ball role? I think he can, but I don't think Dyson Daniels is the type of guy you want. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I mean, that's funny. My goodness. I will take Keeper. I think at that point, it's the best player. Both, both Pistons are in any position where they're trying to do anything right now. They're probably going to be back. Winning guy, I really I'd be I'm jealous of you guys for being able to take him and have Cade Cunningham. I was trying to come up with a real quick uh, Cade to Sacramento trade, but I really don't want any of your guys over here. Like, <laughs> but yeah, thank. Um, sorry, you're jealous. Thanks. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I would uh I would swap rosters rosters with you pretty quickly. Now the draft gets interesting. It's pretty much it's a fairly it's really I love the prospects, although I think the order that they will go in is fairly concrete but now it gets interesting now it gets really interesting but uh at the sixth pick with the pacers i feel like if they did anything like anything at all if they took uzman jang i'd be like yeah that makes sense no don't do that don't do that (laughs) i I really want to have a bold pick at one of these points Mm -hmm. something exciting but i think it's shade and sharp i think so too i think so too like pacers are going into a rebuild although they have said they don't want to fully bottom out 
you need to take a big swing. God, I, I lived through the the Tyler Hansborough pick in the lottery for the piss, for the Pacers. And it just, it was like, they're going to try to intentionally take an older guy that can contribute right away. And it was such a horrid thing that I think everyone in Indiana still remembers it and wants the wild card and is willing to take those swings. We haven't been hurt like the Kings have. We haven't been hurt like Phoenix was for years. Here's, you know, swinging on Dragon Bender. So he's not developed get, yet. He's only 23. <laughs> uh, I still have some Dragon Bender stock. How old is he Shaq? popped up on Milwaukee a few years ago, and I was like, oh, yeah. Dragon next to Giannis. This this is the perfect <laughs> combo to unlock Dragon. Oh Bender. my god, he's only twenty. He's only twenty four. That is unbelievable. Are you serious? He was oh, eighteen man. when they took him. That was... Listen, he didn't work out with Milwaukee. He didn't work out with Golden State. I, it's probably time for me to sell that stock. But we're talking shade and sharp here. You know, the draft's wild, man. And I, I'm trying to watch high school footage of him, and I I hate that I'm not watching full games. Because I, I love watching full games, guys, to see how they're handling not having the ball, to see how they're you know playing and help defense with not just a defensive highlight. Highlights are the worst ways to watch, which guys, and my giant takeaway from watching Shade and Sharp highlights is this guy can dunk. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. He can dunk. He's a, fen- he's a phenomenal athlete. I think his issues are defensively, though effort all the time moving without the ball and that's what scares me for someone like the kings who's like kind of ready to get going the pacers have nothing mm-hmm. to lose the pacers are going to yeah. trade miles turner tj warren's going to leave they're going to get rid of brogdon it's going to be this whole thing it's just going to be halliburton and and if shaden's the next guy and if it doesn't work out that's fine go to the next draft you still have, you're still in the very beginning of this rebuild you have very very little pressure People in Indiana have been watching kind of a middling team for a while. I feel like they'd really enjoy like a full scale, like let's get some good players and let's get a rebuild. For Sharp, watching those high school games, he's so fluid offensively. The way I would describe it is I don't think it matters who's guarding him because I don't think he sees them anyways. That's what he looks like offensively. I feel like it could be the greatest defenders in the world and he's just gets to his spot, turns around, takes his shot. I don't even think he notices they're there. He does have a little bit of a driving move where he'll drop his left shoulder into a guy's chest. And it's a very clear push off, like especially in high school. But I, I kind of like the move. It's a move that you will see superstars make and then they rise up and he'll shrug a guy off from, you know, it's high school three point lines. We're talking 20 feet, but it, it looks good when he does it. He's definitely way too skinny to get away with in the pros. So it's going to go horribly for the first couple of years. But if he keeps that mindset, I do think that there is superstar potential, whether he gets it or whether he's Dion Waiters, J.R. Smith. We'll, we'll see. I think there's I think there's that potential, too. But you you live with it. I think I just mentally sold on my shade and sharp stock. Dion <laughs> Waiters. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. He's also a little bit smaller than we initially thought. I think he was a People assumed he was about 6'7". He's really closer to 6'5". But his arms are very long. He's mostly arms, like 90% arms. I think he has close to a 7-foot wingspan. Such a good athlete. It scares me too much. But I think the Pacers have very little to lose. So I I love the pick. Good. All right. That leaves you with the Blazers at 7. Taking the Blazers pick now, and I think this is the hardest pick to make because I don't know what direction they're heading in. I'd love to go Dyson Daniels if 
they're trading Dame, but like you said, they're selling the team. I think they want a better product to get a higher price, which is a fair reason to have a better team. So what do you do with that? And, I, and let me read you who's on this team. Right now they have Dame Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe. That's about it, and a bunch of and a bunch of rookies. What do you do with that? What direction do you take that? So I, I think you try to take the prospect that doesn't lose resale value. Like, you, you know what they say, driving a new car off a lot, it instantly loses, was it like 11 or 17% of the, the value as soon as you drive it off the lot? Yeah. I, ideally, you would trade this pick on draft night since we are not. Yeah. I think they will. I think that's what makes it difficult is it almost will certainly be traded. We're assuming that they keep it. And so we're tr- like, in my mind, if I'm drafting and I'm basically being told, hey, we have to keep this pick. We don't have any solid offers. My thought is, okay, who's going to be the most tradable in a week? Who's going to be the most tradable in a month? And had Shaden Sharp been here, great. A, a team that I'm trying to trade Shaden Sharp to, if I can flip, if Sharp falls here and I can call up Indiana and be like, yo, so you snag someone else, but I'm sure you're still interested in Shaden. Do you want to give us a reliable piece? Like, I don't know, TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon. Like, you want to give us someone for this? Great. Um, but aside from that, I, I, I guess I really don't know what to do. So I, at this point, I would really take whatever prospect you think holds the most value around the league. I think going with that, if I say that, okay, they're trying to win, they're going to trade for, they're going to make some more moves to get better players, the pick is Benedict Matherin. I think he's super talented. He's explosive. He get his own shot, has some, some things to work with with that, but super pro ready. I love him as a prospect. Just a great athlete. And I feel like, in a sense, Matherin and Shaden Sharp are fairly similar, but Sharp is more of an unknown with a higher ceiling because we don't really know what it could be. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. I feel like I just feel like he's going to be really good. Maybe I've been watching too much Bennett and Matherin highlights. Eh. Eh, you're not thrilled on it, but I, he's going to be good, I promise. Yeah. Uh... Is, you know, okay, okay, I'll change, I'll change directions. We can edit this. No, no. <laughs> Benedict Matherin is the consensus pick when I pulled together a bunch of mock drafts. He is the next highest guy on the board. Um, he's really crafty with his body control in the lane. He seems to figure out a Euro step or a slippery placement. I, I do worry about his lack of leaping ability. Like, I don't know if he can touch rim, and that makes me a little bit scared about a six foot six guy. He can like, touch rim. He's a. He, it's it's he's hyperbolic. He's totally he's a great athlete. He totally dunk. He, he's athletic, but he like every time he jumps, he doesn't he doesn't go up. He goes over. He goes out. He's great body control. It's super slippery, and actually that might prolong his career in a way that like hyper athletic guards like John Wall, Derek Rose um, won't have. Um, so like I get what you're seeing here. I'm not sure about his defense. I, he's supposedly a high-level defender. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think this is the point where the draft stops really producing stars. I agree. We're going with Matherin. All right. You have a playoff team. You have a playoff team to pick for. The pressure's high here. Uh, I think this one hits you right in the face. I mean, A.J. Griffin feels like the obvious this choice here. No. Because no. No? <laughs> no. No? They have no point guards. Do... They have no point guards. 
Devontae, they have the biggest point guard in the league, Zion Williamson. That's not a point guard. They had Devontae Graham the, is a negative asset. They if they can just bench him, their life would be better. I mean, um, that's just my point. That's just. I one hundred percent agree. Just get rid of Graham, and that's what they did. They got rid of Graham when they got to the playoffs, and they just moved CJ McCollum down to the point guard position. And I'm totally fine with CJ being the point with. You know, Ingram putting the ball in his hands and calling him the point. I want someone who can space. I want someone who can work off ball, who still has a high upside. And I think AJ Griffin, I'm pulling up his shooting numbers now because I know he was a really good three-point shooter. I, I, I love the theory, though. I, I know I, I give you a hard time because I think they need a point guard, but it, it, the, what worries about Griffin really quickly is the production isn't super high to what we're expecting him to be, but he certainly has the tools. And if he was on some other team, I would be a lot more concerned about the lack of production. But Paolo Bancaro is getting drafted. Mark Williams is getting drafted. Trevor Keels may or may not be getting drafted. Like, you know, he's he's in the draft. Wendell Moore. They've got five guys. We just think back to when Devin Booker was on Duke. Booker was a sixth man. Very low production. Um, but sometimes you got to look past that. College is a good point. Not, not always the closest links to college production to NBA value. And I just, I think if we're just looking for like a three and D wing with upside, AJ Griffin's that guy. At this level of the draft, you got to be real with yourself. You got to be a little more realistic. If you're like, okay, this guy can sit in the corner, shoot 40% from three, play some defense, maybe develop into something more. You're happy with that. If you try to reach yeah. for too much, you end up getting burned. Absolutely. You taking him? Oh, yeah. Sounds good. I'm locked in. Locked in. Calling in the league. Dyson Daniels is is plummeting. He's free-falling. Someone call Dyson Daniels Asian and save him. I think we're calling him right now. I think, man, that's. I think at this point, the Spurs are in such a, a strange wait, period. Wait, wait, San Antonio doesn't draft guards that are over 6'5". foot five. <laughs> <laughs> They're all 6'4". They have to be. They're all 6'4". They have to be. At this point, San Antonio is in a place where they don't, they're not going to try to win this season. May Popovich's last season. I don't think they're going to push to the playoffs. They're probably going to figure some stuff out. And I think they're going to take Dyson Daniels. Because maybe you can go like Johnny Davis and have more of a sure thing. At this point, to have Di- Daniels fall. At the, I don't, maybe he's not even considered falling at this point. But I'm going to go with Daniels. I'm so happy you did that. Because I wanted to make a reach. I was worried that you were going to make the same reach that I wanted to make. Ah. And so let me just make sure that we're at the right point in the draft here. Uh, With pick number 10, Washington Wizards will be selecting Mark Williams. Wow. Oh, it's Charlotte with their hearts broken. You just ripped the hearts out of every Hornets fan across the nation. That's the one guy they need. That's that that is over Jalen Duran. Yeah. Wow. I love it, man. Yeah. I think I just like Mark more. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger in the post game. Um, he's got a really quick second jump on a rebound. He's a, a willing screen setter, which is what I want to pair with Beal. I think I think you can actually probably play a him and Porzingis lineup together in a zone. Man's going to be tricky depending on the opponent, but I, I'm i doing it. 
I love it. You know, what's interesting is I think this depends on what direction Washington is heading. Maybe they tear it down on draft night and they get really bad Garrett of Kuzma and Beal and KCP and take a, a prospect, someone more like Usman Jang. But man, I dig it. Also, do we know how tall Mark Williams is? Because this website I'm on says 6'10". I've heard him as high as 7'2". He doesn't look 6'10 to me. He looks gargantuan. According to the official NBA uh, combine metrics, he measured seven foot without shoes, seven foot two with shoes, with a seven foot six and a half wingspan. He has a nine nine standing reach. Nine nine. He's gonna. Yeah. I, I think he's gonna be a good pro. I think the the ceiling is fairly low. You know, he's not gonna be the best center in the league. He's not no, gonna be super no. offensively talented. But it, like like we said, at this point in the draft. A guy who is your starting center, you oh, that's a home run. You knocked it out of the park. Yeah. All right, let me let me lock that in on my screen. Oh, are you locking these in? Yeah, I'll have the, I'll have the whole guy. thing at the end. Yeah, I have a I'm on a, a mock draft simulator right now. All right, we are up to the Knicks. Another really interesting team, the same thing. Maybe I'm not tuned into the NBA, but I what direction are these teams going in? It feels like the Knicks the Knicks might trade everybody and be really bad. Maybe they're going to make a push again. I feel like the fact they haven't fired Tibbs probably means they're going to still stay mm-hmm. and try to make the playoffs. I think that's kind of looking for. You took Mark Williams. I'm going Jalen Duran. Oh, my he... gosh. Charlotte's just crying. <laughs> I think Mitchell Robinson is going to be gone, and I think Duran's going to fit into that nicely. And it's someone who has a much higher ceiling than Mark Williams. Maybe the floor is the floor is a worse Bismack Biombo, but... The ceiling is, is is something I haven't even thought of yet. Let's think of a ceiling. He can shoot. He can shoot a little bit. Like There is potential that he is this hyper-athletic, super-strong 6'10", switchable big that can kind of space the floor, and that's that's crazy. So poor man's bam with the jump shot? Yeah, it's either going to be a worse Bismack or a slightly better bam at a bio. Biombo, that's kind of the range here. I like it. Taking him. And Charlotte left with nothing. Oof. And unfortunately, that leaves me with OKC. And I just, I want to remember back, who who did they get? They got... You took him. Jabari Smith. Uh, Jabari Smith. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Gosh. This is a problem when I talk for over an hour in a row. It just, the words, they abandon me. Um, I, I'm going to do the most OKC thing here. And I'm going to go with Nikola Jovic. Oh, right. wow. That's great. It's, That's it a is huge a reach. Wow. Over Jang? I felt like Usman Jang was the most thunder pick you could possibly make there. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think the upside is maybe more of a stretch and might be a little bit more of a late bloomer. And really, OKC just wants Chet to drop to them so much so that they can have another bad year and they can be be in the Wimbenyama sweepstake, sweepstakes. But I think Jovic has a lot of great skills and he's he's a really nice passer has some scoring potential moves super well for a 6 six ten guy it's a reach i mean my average mock consensus has him in the 20s which you know maybe they can they can get him there i guess they just traded their other pick we had a trade that's awesome that's right they did to denver for jermichael green in the 27 yeah they got uh for pick 30 yeah, that's that's what I'm going with. I, I like I like the Hito Turgalu meets Bojan Bogdanovic uh, scoring or you know comps that I've I've seen across the internet. I love it. I think 
with the you know the mock drafts are always there by the end of like by pick like seven it's falling apart and and teams are because you know teams do what they're gonna do they get high on prospects i always say this i use this comparison if you had a week to make a decision you could probably make it fairly decently if you had a few days you're like oh yeah you go to mcdonald's and you're like this is what i want if you had a year to decide what you're getting from mcdonald's when you get to that drive-through you might not get what you wanted because you probably overthought it a little bit and that's when it comes to the draft sometimes you know you're like the fish fillet i want the fish fillet i've hyped up the fish fillet this is what i'm gonna get when i get there and then you're like you know i probably overthought that and i probably should just got gotten a cheeseburger and that's what makes the draft so interesting is teams have their favorites my mcdonald's order is two mcdoubles no pickles i usually go uh two quarter pounders and just call it there maybe I just mean, one maybe just one depending on how i'm feeling so i was gonna say you were you do not look like a large person how are you eating two quarter pounders that is <laughs> that's just a ton of food it's not too bad it's just one well, thing is like that is a half a pound of mcdonald's burger <laughs> There's the math. There's the math we needed. All right, <laughs> I'm only locking that pick all the way down here. Nikola Jovic. I feel bad for all the poor sons of dads who watch the NBA who have just managed to get Nikola Jokic's name down. <laughs> and the Nikola Jovic is just going to throw him for a loop. Here we are with Charlotte, who centerless, completely centerless. One center is Mason Plumley. The other center is Montrez Harrow, who just got arrested for three pounds of weed. They're in a tough spot, and there really are no centers available, unless they're just really high on Walker Kessler, who I actually really like. I'm a Walker Kessler supporter. I actually do, too. I, I, I like Walker Kessler. I, I'm scrolling down through my draft notes. Yeah, he, my average consensus mocks that I pulled together has him the 27th prospect, so that is a, a crazy reach. That'd be a crazy reach, but he's going to be, what if he's Brook Lopez, but better, like right now, not, not prime Brook Lopez, but what if he's a better defensive, better shooting, better rebounding Brook Lopez? Man, I guess I wasn't even thinking Lopez because he seems so slender to me. Like he's listed at 255 on you know some of the sites that I'm looking at for his weight. I guess I could probably pull up his official, uh, his official weigh-in, but... I don't know, he seemed a lot skinnier than that. Hey, he weighed in at 256. He's dense, man. Man. For the Hornets, they just got Atkinson. Their defense is really bad. I'm going to go with Johnny Davis because he, he's a good defender. Good defensive player, good defensive wing, can get his own shot. I think he's going to be one of those guys like, oh, yeah, Johnny Davis. He was really good in college. Why didn't we think he was going to be good in the NBA? I think the Hornets, at the end, were going to be happy that they could take Davis. Really? You're you're gonna go with the size? That, that's that small I'm of a guy. I'm taking it. I'm taking him. I'm taking him. He's gonna be he's gonna be good. I'm all in. To be fair, the Hornets are in kind of a tough position where they can either overpay Miles Bridges or struggle to replace him. That's not my favorite place to be as a franchise because as much as I love Miles Bridges, and I mean you joined this pod in the past couple of months, but our guy Nico, we were doing top 100 stuff over the off season and we all came up with our top 100 list separately and then shared them with each other and nico was like miles bridges is going to be a top 60 player here next season we're like what are you talking about <laughs> and then he just blew up yeah he was good nico was like yeah so my one-year-old daughter wakes me up in the middle of the night and i watch whatever game is on in denmark at you know 2 a.m and it's the hornets a lot of the time so i saw a lot of 
post all-star break Hornets and Bridges was blowing up. And yeah, I think if you're going to lose him or struggle to retain him, getting more scoring punch, which is what Johnny Davis is really going to bring as well, is probably a good, good call. I'm with it. You are on the clock with the Cavs. Another, you know, a team that wants to win. Once again, there's no seven footers available. And that's, that's really a shame because I'm just 100% in on Cleveland's strategy of playing three seven-footers. Why not four? Exactly. Why not four? You oh. looking for a seven-footer? Who's the next center available? It's Walker Kessler. Is there another one? Well, I'm trying. I'm, I'm thinking about Jeremy Sochan. I was looking at him, too. If he gets past four, if he gets past the fourth pick, he was in Sacramento yesterday. He's working out for the Kings. Really? The Kings are working? Yeah, he was. I, I mean, that must be because they're trying to trade back. We've worked out pretty much everyone in that, like, I think Dyson Daniels at some point, and maybe, but I know Sokan was a, or is it Sohan? Do we know? Um, no. No, we don't know. No. We'll go so. But we know, um, we know Sokan is, he's probably not going to be the fourth pick, but, uh, I think he's a great player. I love, I love the idea of trading back and getting him. I, I love the energy that he brings to the defensive side. I also, a couple of, couple points this year his hair was cut short and bleached to color that my tv read as like a blondish green and so i the dennis rodman similarities as far as you know hustle and effort and hair just just jump off the page and i do think cleveland really could use a little bit more defensive uh, abilities i mean i know that they have mobley and they have uh jared allen but I guess if if Jeremy can prove that he can guard wings, you know, the bigger three fours um, and, and allow them to do some more staggering of their bigs, I think he could be a really nice piece there. And, and I'm just not in love with a lot of the other guys in this range. So I, I think that's probably where I'd go. But where would you go? Really quickly about Sokan, if the Kings take him, if they if they trade back and take him, he's dyeing his hair purple, and I just, I need that in my life. I need that so badly to have this high energy, high, ener- high hustle, flying around the court with purple hair. I need that so badly, Nate. I don't think you understand. I don't, because you've already had the best hair in the NBA with Scott Pollard. That's true. It's tough to beat what Pollard brought. Man, I don't love any of these fits because right now we're looking at Guzman Jang, Jeremy, Jeremy Sokan, Tai Tai Washington. I don't know. Let's think about this. I think I took, I think when I, before we, before I did this, I think I did one of these and I took Tari Eason. Mm. Maybe another, like, oh, because they don't really have, they have some wings, but not like a bigger one. Let's see here. Malachi Branham is there, but he's 6'5. So Tankathon has Usman Dang going there. I can't see that happening. The Cavs are in a spot where they're trying to make the playoffs, and I, I feel like he's such a project. I don't know. If they're not in love with it, I'm, I'm happy with oh. Sokan. I think they're trying to push for it. I think they had a pretty good identity last time. I think Sokan can fit into any of that. I think they knock it out of the park with that, park with that pick. NBADraft.net has Malachi Branham going there. Okay. Which I do just want to say about NBADraft.net, because I love their, uh, I love their information they provide in their draft takes and their um, scouting strengths and weaknesses. But also, the year that Auto Porter draft happened, I'm trying to remember what year that was. They updated their mock the morning of the draft to the perfect lottery, and I will never forget that. It, it's just like 
they, they shuffled this up. You know, they called Jerome Robbins and going 13 right above, uh, right above with Michael Porter Jr. And I, I just, I saw it and I was like, wow, that is a major shakeup. But they yeah. got the lottery right. Wow, they knew what they were talking about. So who knows? Maybe they'll be right again. All right, lock in your final pick. I'm locking in, and Jeremy. Sounds good to me. All right. The Hornets are back on the clock, but that's pretty much it. Are we good in the lottery? Should we stop there? I, I think I think I think we need to stop there. We'll, we will save 15 through 30. Maybe we can do a little bit more draft prep, a little bit more analysis, try to see if we can get Walker Kessler to rise up a bit more. This this is just so short on on big men after those t- first three. Yeah. Do you know who my favorite prospect is in my in this draft? Where is he? Is it Marjon? No, I don't know much Bochamp? about him. <sighs> David Roddy. See, I, I thought Marjon Bochamp was gonna be your guy because I just get Trevor Ariza vibes. <laughs> I hate Trevor Ariza, dude. What a <laughs> joke. David Roddy's six he's like six five, two fifty. He was dying. He was such a dynamic scorer. He can. I. You, you watch him, and you're like, that guy shouldn't be able to move like that. And then he dunks on somebody and hits a three, and you're like, all right, I don't know what's high. I don't know anymore. I don't know. I don't think his body translates to the NBA at all. Um, but if I, the Kings have the 37th pick, they also have like the 46 or something. 37, David Roddy. I'm all over it. How much Purdue have you watched? Not much. You know, I, I'm watching them because I'm watching Ivy. Uh, but they've got an, a big man that's like supposed to go end of the end of the second round, undrafted. Uh, Trav- Travion Williams and Basketball Reference gives him a generous six ten and a conservative two sixty five. Like okay. you know, eyeball watching this guy, I would say probably more like six eight two eighty. Wow! But this man passes like he's an and one. They don't always work. I see but, it, yeah. But he's like, hmm, I got this guy on the post. Let me throw it behind the back between this guy's legs, bounce pass. Ah, hit him in the nuts. All right, well, <laughs> next possession, I'm still going to try it again. And this time it worked. And you're like, oh, oh, damn. Okay. Uh, well, this guy, I just, I just love, loved watching him play. He's, he's a senior. There's really not much upside here. But... You know, I I love my thick boys that that do good and pass well. Like, give me thick Jokic, give me Nemanja Bjelica, Boris Diaz. Like, yeah, maybe I can hope. This community report says he's the epitome of a big man floor spacer without shooting threes. He's such a good passer. He's Demontis Sabonis light. His projected draft range is twenty to forty. Twenty I mean, to forty. Yeah, 20 seems high. I did just pull up his draft combine measurements, and I was right. He is six foot seven. Jeez. That's <laughs> okay, but in a sense, though, in a sense, six seven, you're not. You're no longer like a tweener. Can you be? Can you change your game? In a sense, do you want to record uh, an outro to the draft really quickly? Because we kind of finished and started talking about huge guys that play for Purdue. <laughs> no, no, this is still draft related. This is draft. This is draft talk. Okay, no, that's, that's... this is still draft talk. These are <laughs> these are the prospects outside of the lottery that we are most excited for. I think David Roddy's really interesting. He's just he's huge, and I'm like, man, 
I, I, I'm so excited. My, my favorite, I love the Kings of the Fourth pick, but the 37th pick is arguably more exciting because you can do anything with that. You could take that guy and just have him. You could, Because no one has any expectations for those picks. If you have the 45th pick, you're not getting anything, but the 37th pick is practically a first rounder. All of a sudden, you know, you're back in business. The thing that I used to always love about those late first round picks is that's when you start to see the international guys go. Oh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, MB- NBA cap rules, picks 1 through 30 have an assigned contract number. Picks 31 through 60 don't. They might have a cap as to how much you can pay someone, but it's negotiable. You could pay the 31st player more than the 30th player, and you can spend more money on a EuroLeague buyout deal. So that's why you always used to see like top European prospects go 31 through 35. Hasn't been as much of a thing lately, but I still watch out for it. Really not a big uh, European influence on this draft. All right, I'm going to auto-pick the rest of these, and I'll let you know. The computer does whole crazy shit, but I'll let you know what we did. I'm excited for the draft, though. It's going to be good stuff. I don't care about actual basketball. I just, the drama of it. I just, <laughs> I watched the finals, and I'm like, yeah, that guy's pretty cool. But what about Usman Jang? Who's taking Usman Jang? That's what I want to know. Because that there's he's sixty. He's going to be a six ten point guard. He's going to be Magic Johnson or Michael Carter Williams. I think what scares people is the ceiling on guys like Dyson Daniels is like a six six point guard. But you're like, okay, like let's stop stop messing around. What's he really going to be? Because no one's a six six point guard. Don't lie to me. Like don't lie yeah. to me about that. Unless you're you know the ones that are are either the fifth greatest player of all time in magic or ben simmons who has other severe limitations like shooting you're never going to get like oh he's six six and he can shoot and he can score and he can pass and defend there's something that's going to be wrong i forget who said it first but th- they were pointing out that like ben simmons as a point guard when people talk about them, like oh yeah and he can defend and he can rebound he's got all this height and you're like cool but can he do the point guard things of like pass and shoot run offense you're like well, nobody does these other things yeah so what is he so what is he really yeah it's it's like oh that's that's just not a not a point guard all right let's run through our what we did we had i had the first pick i took chet you went jabari smith to oklahoma city houston takes ballot bancaro the kings take Jaden ivy pistons take keegan murray because you made me do that who are you gonna take we're <laughs> gonna have to redo this draft Dyson Daniels. <laughs> Don't make me turn this draft around. <laughs> um, Shane Sharp to the Pacers. Benedict Matherin to the Blazers. The Pelicans take A.J. Griffin. I really like that pick. I think that's my favorite fit out of all of these is A.J. Griffin to the to the Pelicans. I had to talk you into that one. We didn't really talk about his injury concerns, but I don't know. You sold me on it. I'm like, you know what? Sure. That's the perfect fit for the Pelicans. They don't care about injury concerns. Apparently not. I love the Dyson Daniels Spurs pick as well. Mark Williams to the Wizards, then Jalen Duran, leaving the Hornets with nothing. Nikola Jovic to the Thunder, Johnny Davis to the Hornets, Jeremy Sokan to the Cavs. Do you want to know who the computer picked? Yeah. Because it's just, I honestly don't even know how they, these can't be right. This this has to be like fucking random, part of my language. They took Ty Ty Washington for Charlotte, then they went Walker Kessler in Atlanta. Kennedy Chandler? Dale and Terry to the Bulls, EJ Liddell, Timberwolves, Andrew Nembhard to the Spurs, Hugo Besson to the Nuggets. I don't know. I do not know many of these people. Uh, so Andrew, Andrew Nembhard is currently 58th in the 
NBA draft.net's mock draft. So, it, you know. It's the computer, it's, it messes with you, man. Ty Ty Washington's really interesting. He's essentially the only, like, point guard in the whole class. Yeah, there's Gene Monero. Within the lottery, within the Reno. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, within, like, reasonable talent-wise, yeah, Ty Ty. It's just really interesting. I can, but who really even needs a point guard? The Lakers? The Lakers need a point guard. Hey, maybe you can slide to unrestricted, uh, non-drafted free agency. <laughs> that's that's what I'm hoping for here. It's like, yeah. all right. So picks. That, that's why I was getting so into who Travion Williams is like, okay, Who's going to be available to sign after the draft Mac, happens? What, are you off the Mac McLug train? Yeah, sure. Didn't didn't like him. He was uh, it was it, he was like a you know Mac McLung. He played for you guys. He played for you guys. Yeah. He was like a, he was like the YouTube star with all the dunks and whatnot. And then he went to the NBA and played for the Lakers. And like, wow, that actually it's very strange timeline. The Lakers need to stop hoping that these guys are going to be our success and our future. Actually, do reasonable things. All yeah. right, man. Good stuff. All right. Well, any uh, you know final takes for this podcast? I would be happy with Keegan Murray or Jaden Ivey, the Kings at four. For the finals, I think Warriors in the six. I think they're going to take care of it in Boston. A little anticlimactic, but be good series. All right. Well, where can the people find you? Possible Chairs on TikTok. That is Possible Chairs. I talk about basketball. I do all-time rankings. Just at number 20, Charles Barkley. Love Charles Barkley. I'm going to do more draft stuff. I'm going to, I post stuff all the time, man. It's a great place to find you. You can also find me there. We're having a good time. So check us out.